Hello, and welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Good morning. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would now guide us, speak to our hearts, encourage us, uh, pour your love into our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Once upon a time, long ago, far away, there was a little boy named Jimmy who lived on a farm. Now, Jimmy's father was a master archer, and Jimmy was sure that he was going to grow up to be a master archer too, and he was just dying to start practicing with a bow and arrow. But his dad said he was too young and wasn't strong enough yet. But Jimmy was determined. So when his parents went to the store, he went out to the back of the barn and with a big piece of charcoal, drew three concentric rings on the wall of the barn. Then he went into the barn where he knew his dad kept his bows and his arrows. And he tried his dad's bow, but he couldn't even, he couldn't even pull it. And he thought, oh, maybe dad's right. Maybe I'm not strong enough. But then he saw behind some baskets a little bow that looked about right. And he grabbed it, and sure enough, he could pull it. And he grabbed a bunch of arrows and went out, hurried out back, and stood about 30 feet away from the wall and pulled the arrow back and shot, but the arrow just went right into the ground. So he moved a little closer. He shot. This time, the arrow hit the wall, but just bounced off. He moved a little closer. This time, it went wide right. The next time, wide left. The next time in the ground again, and he only had one more arrow, and he, he, he kind of proudly told himself all these years that, you know, first time I shoot a quiver full of arrows, I'm going to get a bullseye. So Jimmy was not about to lose. So he grabbed his last arrow, and he, and he moved down the wall a bit, and he took it, and he pulled it back with all his strength, and he let go, and really satisfying thunk right into the wall. Then he walked up to it, took out his charcoal, and drew three concentric circles around it. <laughs> bullseye. Jimmy looked toward the noise. It was his father clearing his throat. He'd been watching from around the corner. He had no idea how long he'd been watching. He had no idea how much trouble he was in. Son, come here. Let me show you how to shoot an arrow. So his dad picked up the arrows Jimmy'd shot, and uh, he said, "This this bow's a good size for you, Jimmy, so don't get, but so you don't get discouraged. I want you to move a little bit closer, and Jimmy moved closer knocked an arrow, and then his dad got down on his knees behind him, wrapped his arms around him, and covered his hands, and with his strength, giving, lending his strength and steadying him, Jimmy aimed, shot, bullseye. Then his dad said, I guess you are old enough and strong enough to learn to use a bow and arrow. We all know if you shoot an arrow and then draw the target around wherever it lands, you get a bullseye every time. But if we will let him our Father will put the target within reach and help us as we learn and develop and get stronger. Now, today's message has two distinct parts. In this first part, I'm going to talk about the target God has given us and the ways we see him teaching us to hit the target. This is more a more continuation of last week about kind of our mission and our vision for this church. And in the second part, we're going to look at how Thanksgiving can help you experience more of the joy that God has for you. Now, after the resurrection, Jesus told his disciples what the target was. It's called the Great Commission. He commissions us. He 
gives us a mission, and we're going to put it on screen. Would you read it out loud with me? Let's read this together. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We aim at making disciples. We, we love people, serve them, pray for them. We share what God's doing in our lives. And when we sense that the time is right, we explain what it means to invite Jesus into your heart, turn your life over to him. We call this process of loving and serving and sharing outreach. And we'll put that on the screen. Um, so when we use the word outreach, which we often were, it's kind of short for all of that. That's what we mean. And what you need to understand as you start to squirm is that this process called outreach makes most followers of Jesus uncomfortable. Now, our gracious Heavenly Father knows that. So just like the Father who moved His Son closer to the target and strengthened and steadied His hands and made sure He was encouraged by hitting the target, if we're willing to reach out to people with God, letting God show us and help us and steady us. He'll lead us to the right people, people to love, to serve, to pray for, to invite. Think of the Apostle Paul. Even though he was born Jewish and most of his life he hated all non-Jews, he went to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And he cast out demons and did miracles and he explained about Jesus to people and he invited them into the kingdom. And many became followers of Jesus, but just about every city he went to, he was either beaten or, or uh, scored, scourged or put into jail. And yet he kept going to town after town. He was incredibly brave. But you have to imagine that it got weary. And he go, oh, I'm going to another town. Now what's going to happen? So God appeared to him in a dream when he was in a major metropolitan city called Corinth. And God said, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many people in this city who are, who are for I have many in this city who are my people. Now, I want you to know, I have not had a dream like that. God has not spoken to me personally um, in that way, but our heavenly father knows when to help us and when to lead us to someone who he has already prepared, who already life is just not working out and they are looking for an answer. They need God to come in and help them. He does that because he doesn't want us to get too discouraged. But if we'll work alongside him, then he'll, we'll learn how to help people become followers of Jesus. I believe God, like in Corinth, has many people on this peninsula who are his people. And that he actually, they actually want you to tell them about what God is doing in their life, in your life, and how they can be a part of that. One of the most fulfilling things you can ever experience is helping someone become a follower of Jesus. Now, all of you have helped somebody, whether it's just helping around the house or helping a friend, and you know that that's fulfilling. But it is amazing how fulfilling it is when you help someone become a follower of Jesus. But most Christians have never had that amazing experience. God wants that for you. Now, some time ago, our board of elders came to the conclusion that we as a church need to make ourselves more available to work alongside God 
and intentionally help people become followers of Jesus. We believe God wants us to be more intentional about outreach and to make it part of our daily lives. Now, there are a lot of different ways to do that. And some of you, you may already be doing that. And God is using you and you've been introducing to people, people to Jesus. That's great. Just keep doing what you're doing. But most of us, we're convinced that for a reasonable amount of outreach to happen, we need to encourage and help and coach each other regularly to do that. Now, last week, I introduced you to Joanne, my, my new assistant. And I told you how in the 80s, she was at Seaside High School when there was like this revival and hundreds of students, including her, turned their lives over to Jesus and her, her husband, uh, wasn't her husband then, but now is Alex. He was kind of the one that was, was leading that. And it was this powerful and unforgettable season in their lives. Wouldn't it be exciting? Wouldn't it be thrilling to see God use all of us together with our different spiritual gifts at CPC to help dozens of people become followers of Jesus every year? God wants that. We want that. It would be fantastic and incredibly interesting and fulfilling. Now, Mike Fletcher is the elder who's coaching and many, who's been coaching, is coaching many of us, and, and how we can kind of figure this out together. And he's been coaching the staff, and we're going to be um, just trying to make this a bigger part of both our individual lives and also every ministry here at CPC that when we're doing something, we're trying to figure out how can we make this more inviting to people who haven't yet decided to follow Jesus. So we're going to do this together in small steps, and if, you're, if you'll participate, you'll always be thankful that you did. But do you know who's going to be 10 times as thankful as you? The people you introduce to Jesus. The ones who receive forgiveness for all their sins, who have the Holy Spirit come into their lives and give them some victory over things they have just been struggling with. Who receive eternal life, who experience that loving, gracious relationship with God. There are tens of thousands of people all around us who do not yet have that relationship with God. And most of them don't understand the gospel, that Jesus is the unique divine son of God who lived the perfect life we all fail to live, took the punishment we deserve on the cross, conquered death rising again, and if we put our faith in him, the Holy Spirit comes into us and we receive eternal life and a relationship with God and a a loving, gracious relationship. Most people do not understand that. Some of them have heard that and, and for some reason have still not understood. You can ask them. So Jesus said, in what we read, go therefore and make disciples. So he's given us a mission and we support missionaries all together. We support missionaries all over the earth who are making disciples. And God has given us the mission of making disciples here on the peninsula. And it'll be exciting. And I hope that you'll get involved when we invite you to next year. Now, another part of making disciples is teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We call this discipleship or transformation or interchange. And it's about our character becoming more like Jesus's character so that we're more and more, we, we love people well, we, we're patient, we're kind. We're constantly saying that, you know, worshiping together, uh, praying regularly, studying the Bible, serving, uh, giving generously, all of these things the Holy Spirit uses to transform us. And it's in our small groups where we see transformation happen most effectively because we need, each need a group where we, just, we feel known and cared for and encouraged. So lots of great things are already happening in our small groups and we'll be starting some new groups next year. And if you're not in a group, please be thinking and praying about joining one when we invite you. 
Also, as we kind of refresh our small groups ministry together, we're going to be offering more encouragement and resources for all the group leaders so that we can be as transformative as possible. As I said last week, our vision at CPC is to be a loving, growing community where people of all ages experience God personally, are transformed inwardly, and serve others in Jesus' name. Now, some of you are already experiencing that vision. And we are convinced that as we stay true to the scriptures and pray and encourage each other in wise ways to love, to serve, to share, we'll see many new followers, hopefully dozens every year, and we'll see many people who are already following Jesus changed, transformed. So please be thinking and praying about this and ask God how he wants you to be involved so you'll be ready when we invite you. Okay, so that's CPC's vision, some of what we've been praying about and planning as a leadership, as we carry out the mission Jesus has given us. Now to transition into the second part of today's message about Thanksgiving and joy, I'm going to get some help from the kids on screen. I'm thankful for the sun because it helps our property and animals grow. I'm thankful for my mommy because she is is really nice and she helps me live. I'm thankful for my parents and I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful I am thankful for um my the ocean and all of the animals inside of it. I'm thankful for my brother because he sets a role model for me. I'm thankful for my parents and my brother and my sister and God and Jesus. I'm thankful for TV. I'm thankful for my parents. Thankful. Oh, I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful for God, God's son. I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful for the world. And I'm thankful for everyone. I'm thankful for my family and Jesus. And I'm thankful for all the things um, I get to do with my family. And I'm thankful for my friends. And I like being silly. (laughs) One of the things we're very committed to here is to just be a great place for people to raise their kids. And thank you to many of you who, who volunteer to help and make that happen. Would you, would you please open an app or a Bible to Colossians 3? It's on page 984 in your pew Bible. You'll probably want to kind of leave it open. We'll be going back and forth to it. You might call it God's prescription for joy. So we'll be starting at verse 12 of chapter 3 of Colossians. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now I'm going to be emphasizing the role of thankfulness, but all of these different qualities here um, play a role. Um, Now look at the list. We'll put it on screen. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Does that remind you of anything? It's a list of five character qualities. Many of you are familiar with what we call the fruit of the Spirit. We'll put that on screen in Galatians 5, nine character qualities. If you kind of equate love and compassion, then the two lists have three in common, love, kindness, and patience. 
there are various lists of positive attributes or character qualities in the Bible. Uh, there's some overlap between them. There are also lists of evil attitudes and bad behaviors. No list is exhaustive. No list includes everything. But experiencing things like peace or joy is not primarily about what's going on outside of you, about your circumstances. It's primarily about the character with which you come to life. Well, how does one develop character? Janice and I have been recommending Professor Meg Jay's book, uh, The Defining Decade, to 20-somethings and their parents for some time. If you have a 20-something, highly rec- or R1, highly recommend you read it. Um, and she's now come out with a book called Super Normal, and she wrote an article kind of summarizing the book for the Wall Street Journal recently. And she cites a study of 400 famous people. And to be in this study, you had to be pretty amazing. You had to not only have made a positive contribution to society, but you also had to be so famous or interesting that two different people published biographies about you. And this was back before electronic publishing, so you really had to actually have a genuine publisher want to publish the book. So very, very... um, accomplished people. But astonishingly, less than 60 of the 400 famous people had been raised in supportive, untroubled homes. About 40 of the 400 were raised in homes that were kind of moderately troubled, but a full 300 of them, 75% of these famous people grew up in very difficult situations, either with poverty or abuse or absent parents or alcoholism or some other very challenging aspect to their home. And these weren't short-term difficulties. Uh, they typically dealt with awful home situations for years. Now, Meg J. cites another study which followed 698 people for over 40 years. It's an ongoing study. They're still following these people and assessing them every so, so many years. Um, 129 of the 698 people were born into home situations with at least four kinds of adversity going on. Maybe it was poverty or alcoholism or abuse or um, things like that. And as you would probably imagine, all of us want to give a good home to our children. We all want to have a good home when we're growing up. But as you would imagine, many of those people who grow, grew up, the 129 people who grew up in, in those terrible situations, as they followed them along for the past 40 years, they haven't done well. Two-thirds of them um, haven't done well. But one-third did as well or better than their peers who grew up in supportive, untroubled homes. And they weren't more gifted than others. But they'd learned three things. To associate with people who really cared about them. To work at their own development, things like school and other things like that. And to persevere in attaining their goals. Meg Jay quotes a story a minister told her. Two brothers are raised in a home in which the father is a violent alcoholic. One brother grows up to be a drinker and and an abuser while the other becomes a non-drinker and a model parent. When asked how they came to be who they were, both brothers gave the same answer. Given who my father was, how could I not? Given who our Heavenly Father is, we have the power to become loving, helpful people, no matter what our earthly father is or was like. God breaks the curses we inherit. One of the tools he uses to free us is thankfulness. Unlike most people, 
followers of Jesus are not only thankful for the things they like. We are also thankful and rejoice in things that we don't like, that disappoint us, that hurt. We read in Romans 5, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. When we put our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and he uses his power to change us, to actually help us endure suffering and then to trans redeem it so that we come out on the other side with more perseverance and, and more like Jesus and better able to experience God's love being poured into our hearts. We have the Holy Spirit. We have tremendous power available to turn adversity into perseverance and character we actually become thankful in adversity. Well, back in Colossians 3, let's spend a few more minutes there, and then I have a couple of suggestions you may find helpful this week. Verse 13, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. If you're having trouble forgiving someone, I encourage you to read again that parable in Matthew chapter 18 where Jesus talks about the servant that's forgiven so much and then refuses to forgive. And try to look past the person and the pain that they've caused you and, and see what God is teaching you, what he's doing in terms of helping you to persevere and develop character in your heart. For thankfulness to pervade your soul, you need to forgive whatever someone's done to you. Remember the old saying, bitterness is the poison we swallow hoping someone else will die. Verse 14. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Now all of these things are connected. Love, unity, peace, thankfulness. There's a sense in which Many theologians have said you cannot have any of them unless you have all of them because they're all connected. But we're going to kind of focus on thankfulness. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's a second time in two verses Paul mentions being thankful. And then verse 17, and whatever you do in word, or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. A third time in three verses, Paul urges us to be thankful. Thankfulness, many of you, we all realize that there's just direct and obvious ways in which thankfulness impacts and improves our experience of life. It puts life's difficulties and disappointments in perspective. Now, certainly some people, I know people, they just have so many more setbacks and difficulties and suffering in their lives than others. And sometimes it just seems like the pain in some situations is more than you can bear. To recover, we need God's power. We need people who care. We often need time. But it, I think you can probably admit that there are also situations in which we each make too big of a deal about something that isn't that big. Nathan is our two-year-old grandson that we took care of for a few days a couple weeks ago. And he does something that I have never seen another kid do. One of his favorite cartoon shows is called Paw Patrol. And so he puts socks on his hands and pretends that they are animal paws. 
Um, but you need to realize that the socks on his feet, you cannot, you are not, if, if the seam is under the foot, not okay. And unless the socks are uh, mirror reflections of each other and don't have the heel sticking up like this, that's not okay. They have to be perfectly aligned. Otherwise, life is just not worth living and he melts down and cries. <laughs> now every day, he tries to put them on his hands himself and he'll get one on, but then he fails. And there's crying. And often we adults just we're trying hard, but we just can't get the socks aligned. And there's crying. And then he'll somehow be okay with them, and he'll go and he'll play, and they get dirty, and he takes them off, and so he'll go get another pair. The kid goes through 10 pairs of socks a day. <laughs> we had to do a special load in the washing machine just so we'd have socks, because otherwise, they'd be crying. Now, taking care of a two-year-old reminded me of something I'd forgotten. A huge amount of early life is learning to manage our emotions. Learning that life is worth living even when your socks are not aligned. Learning to be thankful for the blessings and not get upset about the small stuff. Now, fortunately, we grown-ups never do that. That's why they call us grown-ups. Now, I do it. This week... When something small irritates you, maybe the traffic for Thanksgiving, maybe the turkey will be too dry, maybe there, there won't be enough dressing, maybe someone will make you wait or someone will forget to thank you or say something unpleasant. Remember, your socks do not have to be perfectly aligned. Just stop, realize you're sweating the small stuff and just talk to God and tell him a few things you're grateful for. Now again, if you have something truly painful you are dealing with, during Christmas and Thanksgiving, and a lot of people do. Something that no way compares to the small stuff, but it's just super painful. And cling to Jesus. We read in the Great Commission, he said he'll never leave you. So cling to him. Spend some time with some people who love you. Let them comfort you. And just remember, as awful as your pain currently is, it's not forever. Jesus is right now making all things new. And he's there with you. When people constantly perceive their many blessings. This increases their joy. So I have two suggestions for you today. You can try them, see if they increase your thankfulness and joy. And the first is that at each meal this week, thank God for 10 things. That may sound like a lot, but you can probably come up with 10 pretty quickly. You can do it silently, or maybe if you're with someone that might also benefit from that, you, the two of you can do it out loud, or the whole family. If you find this helpful, you might want to develop the habit of doing it for one meal a day going forward. The second thing is every day, sing in the shower or the car or somewhere. In today's scripture, we, we glossed over it because I knew we'd be coming back to it. Paul says, singing psalms and hymns in verse 16 and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. God's word tells us we should sing. Researchers now tell us that when you sing, it releases endorphins, dopamine, and serotonin to your brain. Those are the feel-good chemicals. It also releases oxytocin, which helps you to bond and trust the people you're with. Singing reduces feelings of stress and tension. Another study showed that participating in group singing, like we were doing here earlier and will again, has all of these positive effects even if you don't sing well. <laughs> Psalm 100 says, sing perfectly to the Lord. No, Psalm 100 says, make a joyful 
noise to the Lord, all the earth. So in addition to singing in the shower or the car or wherever every day this week, I encourage you to make the most of this opportunity each Sunday and sing enthusiastically with thankfulness in your heart during worship. Your enthusiastic singing will minister to the people near you, but it will also minister to your own soul. Many of us have seen Gene Kelly in the classic singing in the rain scene in his movie. And aside from it just being contagiously joyful, it's a classic metaphor. Because he, because he now has something big happen in his life, he's falling in love, the rain which is making everyone else miserable doesn't bother him. God wants our experience of his love and forgiveness and other blessings to put the little irritations into perspective. They're just raindrops. When you sing gratefully and joyfully, you will feel more gratitude and joy. And we have some great songs today. We're going to sing one of my favorites in a few minutes. Uh, and they're great hymns, and you can find them in the Thanksgiving section of, of a hymnal. And you can write down some titles. You can Google them. You can print out the lyrics. You can print it out, put it in your car, and sing it. If you're going to sing it in the shower, probably should laminate it. Um, I, I, I don't have enough singing in my life right now. So I hope you'll join me and and sing a song of thanksgiving every day this week. You may even feel so good that you'll decide to make it a habit all year long. And now, some parting words from Pastor Rick. Christ is Lord of heaven and earth and wants to work with you in whatever you're going through to bring about blessing and redemption. So I hope you will pause at your meals and thank him. I hope you'll sing every day, whether it's in the shower or the car, and just express your thankfulness to him and see what joy it brings you. May the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. May you be filled with all the power God offers this week, the power of the Holy Spirit. And may you be filled with gratitude and joy. God bless you. Go in peace. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.